the volume. This Sessions is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to make every moment more than with FanDuel. They're America's number one sportsbook for a reason, y'all. It's so easy to use. It's safe and secure. That's one of the main things for me. I don't want any BS. I love that there's no BS with FanDuel. Plus, you get your winnings fast. Now winnings are delivered in as quick as two hours. Plus, it's super fun to combine multiple bets from the same game into a same game parlay. It's awesome. So if you are new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started now. Sign up with the promo code Renee, that's R-E-N-E-E, so that they know that I sent you. Disclaimer, 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, Wyoming, or West Virginia. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777, or visit ccpg.org slash chat for Connecticut, 1-800-GAMBLER, or visit fanduel.com slash RG for Colorado, Iowa, Indiana, Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and Virginia, 1-877-770-STOP for Louisiana, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan, 1-877-8-HOPE-NY, or text HOPE-NY for New York, Tennessee Redline, 1-800-889-9789. And 1-800-522-4700 for Wyoming. Visit www.1800gambler.net for West Virginia. Hey guys, welcome to the best of the sessions. What we have done is we've combined the best of Tuesday's episode and Thursday's episode, mashed them together to give you a beautiful little audio gift for your ear holes. We have some awesome, awesome guests on this show. Cannot thank people enough for taking the time to, to come hang out with me. Give me a little bit of their time. We give you a little bit of that. We all get to hang out and enjoy it, learn a little bit about each other. Um, so it's really cool to mash these all together and you guys can get those little abbreviated highlights of both of the interviews throughout the week. Also, of course, if you want to listen to the full lengths, you can do that. They all exist. Uh, just make sure to check out all things from the Volume Podcast Network. Like, subscribe, turn on those notifications, all that good stuff. But let's get into it. Here's the best of the sessions. Guys, welcome to the sessions. This is a Renee Paquette, Emilio Meduño special coming at you hot. And here's how I would like to start things. It's really bullshit that men don't get PMS. No, we do. I don't know. I mean, y'all have like your own issues, of course. But like, it's so frustrating to just like for, a you know, two and a half days max a month. I'm just like raging raging I kicked like a hole through my fence today (laughs) because it was just like all happening at once like I'm trying to walk out the house I have this nice idea I'm like I'm gonna take Nora down to the park we're gonna go for a little walk got her in one arm her snacks her water my water my fanny pack which keeps sliding down my freaking arm fell behind the radiator had to get that thing I walk out front uh to go get the stroller out of the truck to realize that it's been left in the rain. So now I can't even take her in the thing. Anyways, I couldn't get out of the gate. I did not mean to kick my foot through the gate. John's not seen this yet. I'm gonna have to come up with a better story to tell him. Um, but yeah, I rage kicked the gate trying to get out. And uh, it was not a pretty scene. It was not a great moment for me. But anyways, yeah, it's bullshit that women PMS like this once a month where it's just this like inexcusable behavior. 
We all flip our shit. It's it, it happens. You kick the gate. It's okay. A gate can be replaced. It's an old gate, to be fair. I, I didn't, like, donkey kick it. Like, I do think I've got a pretty strong thigh on me. But it is a very old gate. So my foot just went right through it. <laughs> if you're going around Cincinnati just kicking random shit, well, then... That's an issue. I might. That's a different story. But if it's if that's a different story, sure, sure. This didn't affect anybody but me. Nora's probably watching in excitement and clapping, like real. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'll kick it <laughs> <No>. next. <laughs> you should definitely not do stuff like that in front of your kid. That's just like soaking up all these things. I just like huffed it, like I front kicked it, I big booted it. So now, when you go through. Um, your monthlies. Does John try to just avoid you, or no? Is it- because, like, I, I normally, aside from the story where I just sound like a complete lunatic, I don't normally have like meltdowns like that. Like, I might have like a bitchy moment. Maybe I don't know. Maybe I'm just used to it. But it's crazy that this has happened to me for the last. 20 years once a month for 20 years this happens and every month that it sneaks up on me and I'm like why do I feel this way and I'm like oh because you're about to get your period cool and you're just rage kicking everything yeah okay everyone gets a kick big boots all around big big boots every month for for a couple of days it's okay my gosh anyways I'm just I'm just trying to simmer down you know I'm gonna do I'm gonna light a candle I think you should. I think you should. Look at these guys. I got these really like cool long candles that like come out this thing. Or um, uh, uh, this is not a candle. This is a match. These big long fancy matches. You got a nice little zen den going on over here. Trying to. Should I? Oh, sh- I just broke it. <laughs> Unbelievable. Um, okay. I think that for real, what we should start talking about here is Teddy Longgate. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I. I- what? <laughs> I want to know, why did he go on an unfollowing spree? For- are you unfollowed or are you blocked or whatever? No, I, I, I'm I, good. I, I passed. I survived. I survived. I'm good. It's one of those things like I wish that I got blocked by Teddy Long and I wish I got followed by John Cena. It's one of those things where... How? Yeah, I saw your post about that. There we go. Okay. There you go. Let's, let's set the vibe. Let's set the vibe. We're good. Let's... Just say a little prayer, do a little seance. Okay, there we go. There, we're good to go. We got to get you some sage. As I light. Uh, yeah, I should have some sage, actually. I might have some downstairs. I had some when we lived in Vegas. I had like like an Amazon like bulk thing of sage because we moved into our house. And at the time, uh, however many years ago when we moved into our house in Vegas... I was very into that, like, earthy, let's cleanse the spirits, which I should have done in this house because this house is old as fucking dirt. This house must have ghouls galore. I've not seen any. I've not felt any. But when we moved into our house in Vegas, I was like, we have to sage. We've got to open all the doors. We've got to cleanse the house. Or here I was like, let's just load all of our shit in and figure it out. You know what you have to do? You should bring in like one of those like spirit mediums into your house. No, because I don't want to know. And John doesn't want to know. Like John hates <laughs> shit. He's got no time for it. Like I'm curious about it. I'm very curious about it. And I love to like really learn more. And like I love the other world. I love a little spiritual kind of whatever the fuck I love that shit but John does not so if I was in somebody else's house and doing that that would be one thing 
but doing it in our own house is a that's a little bit more like I got to sleep here, you know. Yeah, it's it's you don't know what you're conjuring up. Exactly, you don't want to knock on that door. Spooky sessions is coming up soon, kids. We're we're mm-hmm. we're planning a whole spooky rollout. Yes. So just just be just be there. Oh, I'm so excited. So last night I started reading. I get very into getting the uh, like all different like scary books to read. And I've been on that big Colleen Hoover kick. Me and Kayla Braxton started our book club. I've read like 16 of her books in the last like two months. The most I've read in years. Plowing through, devouring these books. Anyways, I've, I ordered a bunch more, but I was like, let's just pump the brakes for one quick second. You got a small window of it being spooky season. Let's get into it. So last night I started reading Head Full of Ghosts by Paul Tremblay, I believe his name is. This book's supposed to be really, really great. Uh, but I've got that one on my bedside table, The Shining, The Bell Witch. Um, I just got another book from the author that um, did like the Practical Magic series. Those books are really good. I love that movie. I would actually say Practical Magic is better than Hocus Pocus. I have to agree with you. I don't understand. I don't understand the Hocus Pocus kick, right? Like I like Hocus Pocus, but people like now they've just overhyped it. Well, everybody wants the nostalgia train. It's the, and it's the greatest movie ever. Like the Thirty One Days of Halloween just put out their list of what they're gonna do on free form, which is like, like they do Thirty One Days of specific content, and Hocus Pocus is on like almost every day. They almost, you just call it Hocus Focus. Yeah. Because I don't give it. Focus. I don't. I don't care about it. That's why. Like, <laughs> like I just. I don't. I, I'm not into it. I don't understand it. I mean, Sarah Jessica. I do like. Like I do like it, and I'm looking forward to the new one. Like I'll definitely watch it. John, and I watched the trailer for it the other night, and he was like, "Oh, it's just the exact same concept as what the original one was." I was like, "Yep," and we're gonna watch it, and it, I'm sure it's gonna be great. Um, but Practical Magic is it for me, especially like God that window of like. Early 90s Sandra Bullock is just so good. Early Sandra Bullock. I mean, Sandra Bullock, don't get me wrong. I will watch anything that woman does. I love Sandra Bullock. But then you also have like young, cool, like very like free flowing Nicole Kidman, who normally she plays like a rather rigid character. And I like that she's like popping into the PTA meetings and like trying to like hump up on everybody. I think it's great. I love those movies. And a young um, Evan Rachel Wood as well. I mean, I like the whole cast, though. Like, what, I like Stalker Channing, so like, any too. anything that she does, I'm like, she's... What a good name, hey? Right? Stalker Channing. What does that, like, derive from? What is what is its origin story? I, I would assume either Irish or Scottish. Like, to be like, here's my baby, Stalkered. Listen, we, we screwed you now, so you can't have an average person no, job to be an actress. Go make something of yourself. Yeah, you've got an artsy-fartsy name. Go play Rizzo in Greece, and then play Aunt Francis in Practical Magic, and just go for it. Those books are very good, too, by the way. Um, Practical Magic and oh, I can't remember what the other one's called. I don't know if there's two or three of them, but uh, I really is it a, is it a sequel of the like are the, are the Owen sisters? It's actually a prequel. So, okay. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. Then yeah, the other one that I just picked up from the same author, I believe, is like still witch stuff, but it all happens during like World War One in like Europe. Um. Yeah, I, I I literally passed a bookstore and it was in the window and it was super old, but I was like, I need to have that. So yeah, I've got to add that in there. You got a good little collection of books here. like Oh yeah, I've got lots. You have a library now. Lots to work with. Plenty, plenty to work with. 
Um, what's going on in your life? Your your face, your teeth, the healing. Where are we at? Okay, so I had to go get bone shards removed from my mouth. Since the surgery. Yeah, because uh, it's a natural form of healing when your mouth apparently starts to heal when you extract wisdom teeth. Mm. Like little shards of bone come out of your, your, your face. Oh my God. It's just like coming out of your gums? Yeah, yeah. Holy shit. So, so I, first I dealt with the extraction of the four. They took the cyst out. Uh, they made me cancer wait. free, cancer free, woohoo, woohoo! You know, but they make you wait on that though. Mm-hmm. Like you know, I'm just starting to think. Well, oh man, I have been a little more tired lately. Ah, I haven't really been eating. Oh man, my sleep is real broken up. That's standard for you though. Your sleep <laughs> is whack. You never eat. That is you no, normally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just how you um, exist. I know. I'm, a, I'm, I'm vampire. What can I say? And then all of a sudden, I get them out. They're fine, right? I didn't even go through the weird, like... Did you keep them? Did you get to see them after? I wanted to. They threw them out. Boo. I know. I know. I wanted to give them the They're Dan probably Housen. like this long. Oh, like, yeah. Put them on a necklace for Dan House and he'd like I wanted that. to. I wanted to give them to him as like a gift, but... <laughs> Stupid I would doctor. be so pissed if somebody came and gave me their teeth. He likes that shit. Though. I know he's a freak. Yeah. So so I I'm healing. Everything's fine, right? The the, the Novocaine and the anesthesia is wearing off, or whatever they drugged me with. Uh, I was out like a light. Which I got to tell you something. I understand why for years Michael Jackson was hooked up to an IV going night night every night because it was a sound forty five minute slumber for your boy. There was no, there was it no better sleep. It knocks your dick into the dirt. Like, it kills you. My dick was all in the dirt, bro. <laughs> all in the dirt. And I I woke up floating on a cloud. I th- yeah. I got up immediately and answered some work emails. My father was like, wow. what in the, My father was like, what in the fuck? That's like, sketchy. That could be some Roseanne Barr shit, though, where you think that you're like, you know what you're doing, but you're still on drugs and you like say some whack shit. I was so cognizant and aware of my surroundings that I asked the the one of the I guess the surgical assistants for her number. Oh, you told me that. Yeah, I was just. Have like, you talked hey. to her since? Yeah, we've been. Yeah, we have. Mm. Yeah, outside of the whole like, hey, you gotta take care of your teeth thing. She's been. That's really risky because she's already seen you at like what could be not that it's like your worst, but when you're just like when you're knocked out and your mouth is agape, that's not the look that you're like looking to pick up with. It's not sexy. And and for everybody on YouTube, you'll see it. It's just like. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That like mouth just fully ajar. And I get home and I'm fine or whatever. Two days later. Excruciating, oh, but you pain. weren't taking anything for the pain either, right? No, I don't do opiates. No, yeah, so no, that's doc- very smart. So I was like, I'm not gonna be another Staten Island casualty. No, You're no not no. getting me hooked on pills, no, and then no, I gotta no, go to no. Tottenville for a score. You're not Mm-mm. getting me. So, um, I-, I have excruciating pain, but it wasn't from the extractions or the cyst removal, it was from what they call oral. Um, sessions. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, or it was it was oral cankasores. Like they were they were ulcers in the mouth because the tools that they use, like to pry your oh, mouth yeah, open. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just whatever. So my mouth was full of them, like 
Oh my God. That, you know what? That's one thing I remember from having my wisdom teeth taken out was that was the biggest thing when I woke up. I was like, what the fuck happened to my face? Like, yeah. I, cause they have the thing that like keeps your mouth open and it like cracked the side of my lip. So like, yeah, having your teeth pulled out of your face sucks. But that's what I felt first when I woke up. I was like, what you do to me? I felt like that, like a uh, dark night, like sliced my smile open. Yeah, so like once that was happening, now it's like I can't eat because now they're near the gum, almost down the throat. Ugh. I'm all so I'm not I'm not eating anything. I'm like drinking some broth, living on some pudding, some baby. You get shredded. Of, a ton of baby food. Oh, I'm at my leanest right now. I'm at. <laughs> I should have that then. I am at oh man, one seventy five point six. I weigh myself every morning. Because you were really bulking up too. This, you know, you were like I was. I bulked up beef. Yeah, I loved it. I was on my Janela shit. I was mm-hmm. about um, I was about one eighty five. You can pack like, on ten more pounds. Yeah, I can. I can go back to that now. I'm, I can. I got the. I got medical clearance to go back to the gym again. Hell and, yeah! Uh, and the shards. So that's what I dealt with for like the last two weeks. And I'm like, oh my god. Yeah, it sucks. I don't know if I ever want to do anything like again. Because I was thinking braces. I was thinking a palate extender. Now I'm just like, fuck all this. Wait, you were taking a what extender? A palate extender, which is because... What's the, that? Well, the doctor said, and big shout outs to Dr. Adu. Um, he's a great oral surgeon. He's like, well, you have a small mouth. Oh. I was like, okay. I was talking about like other things that I want to do for my teeth or whatever. Yeah. And you know, we love a straight like, tooth over here. That's what we are on, Team Straight Tooth. Need a Hollywood we need smile. It. We need the Roman Reigns teeth, please. Right, exactly right. Like you know, and I don't want to go overseas and get them done because I don't have the the buckets to be doing that. So he's like, "Oh, we could do palate extenders and da da da." So then I'm googling all this stuff, and I'm just like, "I don't know if I want to deal with more canker sores because what it does is it they put them in your roof of your mouth and they extends like the roof of your mouth. That's a torture device. It is, it is. But most of the time, you're doing this at such a young age where the bones in the mouth are still sure, young and, soft and separate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's easy. <gasps> I, th- I don't know if it works with adults all the way because the now it's like the bones stone. are hard. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god, yeah. that's crazy. That sounds really scary. They drill it into like the the roof of your mouth and no, they they hook them into like parts of. So what they use is like these things called spacers, and they hook them up into like your molars, like through the molars of your teeth, and they just put them in, and then like it extends and it, and it connects through there. Who was the crazy person that invented that? Isn't that nuts that there's like people that are like, you know what I'm going to come up with? A thing to fucking expand your whole mouth. That's what I want to know. How do you even figure that out first? Who thinks of, you know what? Metal on the teeth straightens them. I was thinking that like with my Invisalign, like the whole thing really blows my mind. Um, So I actually had to go to the doctor or the dentist on Friday to do my little checkup because I've not been to the dentist since I started my Invisalign. I'm on... I'm holding them up. These are my Invisalign for people on YouTube. But you change the trays every two weeks. This is tray five of 17 for me. But she said I'm on track. I'm looking good, sitting pretty. Hollywood mouth over here. <laughs> looking great. Listen, we've just, you're just, we're just trying to stay afloat, you know? Like as we're aging, we're just keeping shit together, just staying on top of the tasks. We're just, we're just kicking holes in fences, having straight teeth, getting blocked by Teddy Long. It's oh been a week. Oh my God. The Teddy Long thing was very funny. I just love that that was like trending and it was a thing. Like I assume that he got hacked, 
But it's it's funnier to imagine Teddy Long being like, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. You're cool. Fuck you. And then the um, Undertaker's going to come funny. out and wrestle you, player. <laughs> and they got a tag team match, player. Um, okay, so I got to see you on Wednesday. We were in New York at Arthur Ashe Stadium. You saw me as I was walking out of a tech closet. Yeah, it was a very nice, um, it was a very nice random, you know, like, hey, I know you, you know me, we hug. I saw your husband first. You mean, you mean the AEW world champion three times over, thrice. Johnny three times? Johnny three times. Johnny three times. I see Johnny three times walking in and I'm like, he's like, hey, and I'm like, hey, and everybody's like, they, they look at us because it was just like one of those things that like, and you know, you get it. Listen, you get a hay from John Moxley. You just feel all warm inside. That's such bullshit, man. That he, I mean, <laughs> it's just funny to me because he like so is like unapproachable sometimes that he is nice to somebody for a second. They're like, oh, my God, this is so great. I'm fucking yeah. nice to everybody all the time. <laughs> Bullshit. Well, they're used to it. They're exactly. To it. I'm just giving it away for free. Left, right they're and center. To it. I'm going to start like, locking that shit up. I'm like, where's the wife? He's like, let's go find her. And then like, he's like, oh, there she is. As he's holding bread, he departs. We're, we're checking out. <laughs> holding the bread. Always with the bread. the bread. Oh, I love the carb up. Yeah, he loves carb up. So did you not realize, though, when you saw me and I was walking out of a tech closet, did that not strike you as an odd place for me to be walking out of? My common sense deduced that there was something going on. Okay, deduced. But I, I wasn't I wasn't going to pry and Oh, ask because questions. I could never. I would never. Listen. Kate to Faye, brother. Kiss, fizz, briz. So I was just like, I'm going to let honey do what she do and eventually it'll come to light and we'll all know what's going on. But oh my God. Okay, so to be out there when Soraya debuts in AEW, like I nearly shit my pants. I almost cried. I was so happy for this moment and the fact that it came together the way that it did. I was so happy to be there. So I was standing at the very back of the stadium on the ground um, where like some of like the AEW like crew is like where they're like running stuff for like the truck back there. So I was just standing back there watching and then knowing that I'm like, all right, I need to like get eyes. I need to like have my phone out for when this happens. So I jumped up on one of the tour cases and was like making sure I got that angle. Boy, did I get scolded for that, but I got the shot. So it was worth it. Um, But man, what a great moment that was to have Soraya join AEW. What this means for the women's division, which to me, I mean, is there a bigger star to step in that spot and we've not seen her wrestle in years to now have this like massive presence for somebody that just like lives and breathes pro wrestling um I think she's gonna make a huge difference for them um and I'm I'm just so excited it was such a cool moment what a pop woo that place was rocking oh my and god I'm 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 over there with a friend and like the music hits and automatically I knew it was like before you even saw the name on the screen, you hear the music and I'm like, oh, wait a minute. I know this song. That's the boyfriend song. Falling in reverse. Yes. Yeah. And I'm like, I was like, wait a minute. Okay. Whoa. She comes out looking like a trillion dollars. Mm-hmm. Full transparency here. Big E knows this. I used to have a massive crush. on Who didn't? Movie. Who didn't? Right in the wheelhouse of aesthetics. I mean, the woman is absolutely stunning. Yeah, she's a babe. And then her personality, hysterical. I got to send it to you. A long time ago, E got her to send me a video just like saying hi. 
It was super cute. Made my day. She had pop of the night, I think. Oh, it, it was hands just down, I would say. I mean, the place was nuts. She comes out, the place is rocking and rolling, and then you 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 think, okay, well, what 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 is it? Because what does this she, mean? Oh, she alluded to on our show when we were in Nashville that she's good. Like she is healthy, but she can bump. Yeah, she's good. So like maybe that was like a hint or a tell. That might have been an Easter egg. You might have to go back and watch the Soraya interview on YouTube. Yeah, go back and watch that. You know, like, why don't you go do that? And then she comes out and she's like, this is my house. Now, when they cleared the ring, right, that's normally like a tell where it's like, okay, you like this person can't get touched right now. But on the website, they have a win-loss record. I don't think of it that way. I just think of it as like a star-making moment. You know, everyone clears the ring. No one else needed to be in the ring. This was just a, I'm here. Soraya is all elite. Now on to the next week. I don't think that it was a no touch thing. What's really important is there is glaring holes in that women's division where where you will sure. see like just glimpses of greatness, right? You will see glimpses of really solid storytelling They've got some really great talent. I'm a big Jamie Hayter fan, by the way. I like her. Cool Brits. I like a cool who Brit. Doesn't? What can who, I say? Who doesn't like I, cool I also Brit. like Britt Baker, speaking of cool Brits. Another cool Brit. Well, listen, knows how to dress. Huge, love the aesthetic. Huge aesthetics <laughs> on that girl. But um, you need, I think you need like the Osiris right now. Like you need that. And you need people to revolve around her for a little while. And I think her... Well, because it's always just been Brit up until this point. And now, like, it just it needs to kind of evolve into this new thing. It gives other people more things to do. It kind of... It just opens things up a ton, I think, in terms of storytelling and match potential, all that. Um, just to really garner a ton of interest. Like I said, it's like, God, you look at that women's division and like there's a lot of really great, talented, talented women there, like stars. It's time to start like really showcasing these women and giving that like great TV time, great matches, all that shit. You know, and you're excited for Soraya because she never really got the opportunity to start having the matches that she wanted right before she got injured, right? And it was a series of unfortunate events and she missed that that boom. And she kickstarted that thing, though. She kickstarted that. Like, she, to me, when I think of, like, the women's evolution and that all happening, it was like, I mean, that, that moment on TV was, like, her, AJ, the Bella Twins. Uh, that was, like, really what kind of sprung things into action. But you think of her being, like, the anti-diva. Um, and the matches that her and Emma were having at NXT. Her and Bailey, her and Sasha, like... You look at all of those matches that she was having, like I really feel like she was the backbone of really kind of changing what this was, what women's wrestling was and is. Oh, absolutely. If you go back and watch the Hulu days of, of NXT, you know, like me and E had that. Good old salad days. It was a good time. I mean, me and, me and E were talking about that. He was like, yo, she was she was the staple for all like the women's stories. She was she. 100%. She, I mean, she was the first NXT women's champion, too. I'm looking forward to seeing what she does. You know, now everybody's like, dude, does she get thrusted into the world title picture real quick? No, she don't need to. What she needs to do. She doesn't need a title. There are certain people that are above world heavyweight championships, right? For the time being when they come in. 
It's just you want to establish her, what she wants to do. You have to, because again, it's all about social conditioning. Because the first thing you think of, you you automatically want to start calling her Paige on when you see her on TV. So now it's time to get people to understand her name is Soraya. We got to call her Soraya, 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 Soraya. I know she had to put out that tweet the other day. She's like, "This is how you say my name," because yeah, I was kind of getting butchered so, a little bit. You know, I, I think I, I personally, me, I think the first feud. Hot shot her and Britt Baker. You let them just go. Let them do what they do. Don't you think they should wait for that? I don't want to see her wrestle Tony right now. You know, maybe she goes against, maybe she goes against Hater, or maybe she tries to convince Hater to be like, hey, come to the cool British side. Let's, let's, let's be cool Brits together. I think you start with Britt because Britt's face told the whole entire story, right? Oh, 100%. She sold that beautifully. Was her nose broken or no? I'm not sure. She bleeds with the best of them, man. Let me tell you something. She's up there with Ric Flair. She bleeds with the best of them. Yeah. Once that color starts to flow, Britt Baker's on point. Um, <laughs> but her facial expressions were incredible. So good. That's who I want her to start with. You are right. Especially you're like, yeah. From having that moment of Britt's reaction to also like the entire division feeling like it is Britt. It's cool now to just like see that sort of like ownership, like. It's my house. All that shit. So yeah, I, th- I, I'm, I cannot wait to watch it. I feel really excited about it. I just, I love, I love when things can just like come together like that. And it is really rare to like truly have those moments of surprise. Um, that was I a really, surprise. It was I, a it, big it, surprise. I don't think anyone. No, knew. nobody seen that coming. I was like, what? Oh, let's. That was a great show, though. From start to finish, that, that show was really cool. It was a great show. It was my first time being able to like, act, like I was out there for uh, Soraya's stuff and then John was, John and Brian were immediately after that. So um, I had not seen John wrestle in a, like probably two years because I always, anytime I'm there, I have the baby with me and then I have to leave the building by about 5, 5.30 to get her back to the hotel, get her ready for bed, eat and all that stuff. Um, so we went to New York without the baby, which, whew, let me tell you, that was like so stressful. It was really nice. It was really nice because we got to just like hang out Tuesday. We walked through my old neighborhood in New York. And then like Wednesday morning, I like cruised through the city, went to like uh, Union Square. They had their farmer's market out. What a thing of beauty that was. Oh, my God. So great. There's nothing better than a fall in New York City. Honestly, there's nothing better. But yeah, I was definitely like a little bit panicked by the end of like, I need to get back home to my baby. I just kept like looking like on her baby monitor to like watch her. Sweet little noodle. But it was really nice to just like actually enjoy the show and like just be there as a person and like talk to people and get to like hang for a little bit. It was cool. I know. I should have went and hung out with you when you were watching because I wanted to watch your reaction. Still something I want to do so that way we can discuss it on here because I want like the third party specter what the wife is watching. Ah. Um, but I was so into the match and I went to my seat. I'm here. Yeah. Like, let's there, like let's go. Yes. Like, you know, because it was it was important because it's like, OK, you have two pivotal guys for the company right now, like two massive, huge signees to AEW, two guys that came in at two different points. John came in at the very beginning. Uh, Brian came in like, like, you know, like a year or two later. And it's like, OK, they're both doing two really different but the same things for the company. They're elevating top new talent. Getting these guys over by doing the work and not saying anything. Yeah. Like, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, like, yeah. 
real blue collar, real hard work. It's, it's like what I texted you. Yeah. I texted you a novel that day. <laughs> I was so I was so into it because there's a lot of similarities between like that hardworking blue collar guy like my dad who was a union construction worker all his life and your husband. Yeah. Like they're like similar. My pop really don't just say put your much. head down, do the job. Just go to work. Like, I just go to work and do it. It's also like pride in your work too. I think that's something that really shines through in everything like that John's doing. It's like it just it's it's such a special time for him. And I think it means a lot too because your husband really could have taken the time off after rehab and sure, just chill sure. right like really like just focused on staying home and just doing this but he knew for the betterment of a himself and the company let me come and push push my needs aside for a minute but let me do this because this is this is this is work well it, for it's work but it's also the thing that he loves like he loves it so it's not that he's like i gotta get back to work like yes it is getting back to work but i think there's also like another thread of that that is like therapeutic for him and he is the heartbeat, and I'll say it. I'll say it. You can tweet me at Emilio Sparks. You can let me know. You can let Renee know if you agree or disagree. If you disagree, but John don't Moxley, tell me. I don't want to hear that shit. <laughs> but I, I think that John Moxley is the heartbeat of AEW from the first show up until Grand Slam. The man has been the consistent gugung, gugung. Well, I think it's like, yeah, he's definitely like the heartbeat of that company, but. God, this sound is going to be bold. Maybe I shouldn't even say this, but I feel like he is like one of the things that's just like so purely great about professional wrestling. Um, you know, I th- I think just like the work he puts in, the the work he does for himself to to always stay sharp, to, to like continually have these great matches and like great opponents. Like I I really love what him and Chris did. Like him and Chris Chris coming out as Lionheart, Chris Jericho. Like who saw that coming? Who knew that was going to be a great thing in 2022? But a testament to Chris as well is like, man, like the guy just like, he's so great at reinventing himself and he's not someone you see go back in time like that. But I think it was something that like just really worked. And then having Brian work with him as uh, as Lionheart Chris Jericho, I think he just like reminded everybody like, yeah, it's Chris fucking Jericho, everybody. It's good to see that the top guys actually know like okay in order for this thing to grow because you know yes it's moving by leaps and bounds in terms of like popularity and television deals and 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 you know rating shares and whatever AEW is going into its fourth year it's still relatively it's small it's a baby that's new four years is new 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 oh my god like when you think of a company starting in four years getting on television going through the bumps in the road that this company has had too and like rebuild refocus keep things on track like it's really impressive and it's really cool and it's you know I think it's just like such a a hopeful cool time for uh for what they're doing if you think about it they're in this right now AEW a soft reboot post all out right where the championship was in question and everything moving forward um they did this quick little title tournament which was smart and then you have the guys right you have your heavy hitters coming in to do it and I don't want to see Danielson MJF. It makes sense, but not needed right now because there's a bigger thing going on between Danielson Jericho and Daniel Garcia, which to me is more important. And 
somehow, some way, I'm gonna, I'll am gonna, call the shot right now. And you, we can have this here. And you let me know if I called it right, if I was Sparks to Damas. <laughs> Daniel Bryan is going to be Ring of Honor World Heavyweight Ooh. Champion. It's only a matter of time. But your husband needed to be AEW World Champion because we're going to get better television between him and MJF. I like it. I like it a lot. I, you know what I like too? God, the options. So many different places for storytelling to like ebb and flow. It's cool. Yeah, and I think that's the most important thing right there is now telling interesting story because leading up to Forbidden Door and Death Before Dishonor, it was real jumbled and you had two massive non-real AEW pay-per-views and like if you're talking about canon and it was very heavy with that. So a lot of AEW storylines took a back seat. And that's not when the company is at its like apex. When the company's rocking and rolling is when they are hyper focused on everything that's going on, just AEW. Yeah. And I think like the last two or three weeks, they really started to adjust and pivot again and got really hyper focused. And you have all your key players right now doing what they're supposed to do. That the ones that are on TV, they're 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 crushing. Oh my god, killing it, killing it! All wheels are like firmly on the track. And I think your husband and Max are gonna do some <laughs> pun intended dynamite shit. Like they're <laughs> gonna, they're really gonna go off. And and I, I I I yeah, the match is gonna be cool, but I want the war of words because it's gonna be from two different places, both good promo guys. Max better keep my name out of his damn mouth. <laughs> <laughs> She, I'm listening to her podcast. She's kicking gates. You have an unstable wife. You have a lunatic fringe for a wife. Oh my God. What a scene that was. Good gracious. As I was delving into doing a little research on having you on the show, you're kind of a mysterious man. Like, yes, I can get your IMDb and we can run through that stuff, but you kind of keep your cards close to the vest. Why is that? All right. You know what? Maybe, don't call me cheesy, but I want folks out there to know my characters before they know me. And I want them to be able to jump into the stories Sometimes forgetting that I'm a dad of two boys and I got a third baby boy on the way. Oh, congratulations. Thank you very much. Um, and I think the reason I feel that way is because that's what I grew up on. And that's something that, I, and that I've always wanted to emulate in a way. Like, I didn't know Chris Farley, but I knew Chris through the characters, you know? Um, so... I don't know. I keep it that way. You know, maybe I'm, maybe, maybe this is what I was going to say earlier and then I changed my mind. Maybe I'm just trying to live in kayfabe, you know? Like, I was just going to say that. I grew up on admiring the guys, that, honestly, that were my superheroes. And that's why I'm so pumped to be talking to you today because I know that you love it just like me. I do. They were always mysterious and there was always something like, man, I can't quite put my finger on what that is. So I'm just trying to keep that as long as I can, but I don't know. No, but listen, I do get it. I mean, if you look at, I mean, John's the exact same way. He is very much like a purist when it comes to like, this is John Moxley, who Jonathan Good is. Very few people 
really know who that is. And I think obviously it's really hard to maintain that this day and age. Everyone's on social media. Everyone wants you to post things. Everyone wants your life 24-7. And first of all, kudos to you for not doing that because God, being on social media is like pulling, we all know it's it's rotten. But it does end up being part of our job sometimes. So the fact that you have eluded that makes me jealous. Good for you. That's cool. And I do get it too. It's like, you're right. Especially like the generation, like we're about the same age and like, yeah, we, we weren't looking at into people on their Instagram, like seeing what they were doing, you know, in their personal lives. We just watched these characters on television and fell in love with them that way. That was it. Absolutely. And I guess, you know, it's also like when it comes to watching, you know, like you said about John, like that's one of the coolest things about him is the fact that when we do see certain colors shine through him. Mm -hmm. I can see a difference in him when he's cutting one promo and you see like, oh, I see you, bro. I see what's (laughs) coming out of you, bro. That's always exhilarating to me. So I'm trying to chase that maybe a little bit, you know, just, uh, yeah. Oh, I love that. Very, very cool. Okay, so you grew up in Florida. What is it like growing up in Florida and having these as well for you, I guess, interesting to like have these aspirations because you did want to be a professional wrestler, correct? Uh, you know, that was always the pipe dream. That was always inside. Sure. But how much more of a pipe dream is that than being uh, an actor? Both are big dreams. One is not more attainable than the other. It's wild. And I'm never I'm never not surprised at how wild this whole thing is, you know, like. Going to the She-Hulk premiere and you're sitting there and, you know, I'm standing next to Mark Ruffalo, you know, like, what are we doing here, man? You know, like, how did we get here? You know, just awesome, you know, and it did. It started in Orlando. I owe everything to my parents. Um, And I say that to say that, like, When I would, you know, when I was messing around as a kid, you know, wrestling in the backyard like a lot of us were, and I was cutting promos in the mirror and, you know, uh, doing my imitations. Who would you cut promos as? When I was young, young, it was the warrior and it was Hogan. You know, it was everybody had the brother in their vocabulary. Macho Man was, if not the best, one of the best promos ever. You know, you're trying to catch that cadence. (laughs) Your hands Come already on, up, you know, ready to do uh, it. You know, it's in here. It's, you know, don't make me, okay? Uh, but And then I was 11, 12, 13, and that's the Attitude Era, you know? So that's Rocky. You know, that's Stone Cold. You know, that's that's just in the mirror, turning, looking everywhere, you know? <laughs> I went and stood in a line at Orlando Arena. It was still called the Orlando Arena. And I was about that age, 12, 13, because they were doing a... Um, whoever could impersonate the rock the best. And if you won, you know, you'd get front row tickets. And I didn't end up auditioning. I didn't end up trying out because I stood in line for like an hour and I got there late, yada, yada. But I remember that just being like, I got to get there. I got it. And of course the line was miles long. One of those things, you know, but uh, that's what it was always. And I, I'd like to say then, but you know that I'm in my mirror like on Sunday cutting a promo, you know, like <laughs> I'm just, you know. Hey, sometimes you got to channel a little inner something, something. I get it. You know. Okay, so growing up in Florida, though, and having these aspirations, you're like, oh, I love professional wrestling, but also acting. And I feel like Florida really had its own thing going on for it a did. while, especially in like the 
boy band scene. Like that was a big thing. Did you ever like, did you ever kind of circle in on that life? Because you sing as well, right? You know, I fake it well enough, Renee. Okay, I fake it well enough. Um, I did. I grew up singing and doing plays like in church. Okay, I grew up a church kid, you know. And I always wanted to be the devil or the demon in the play because that was the more interesting character. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want to be Jesus. I don't want to be boring up there, you know. We already know how that story ends. Let me do the creative character, okay? (laughs) You know, so. And then, you know, I was always singing in church. And I missed the boy band thing. By like, honestly, like, because I'm, I'm 86. So I missed it by like two, three years. Because I think Nick Carter was like 13, right? And he was the youngest at the time. And I think at that time I was like 10-ish, 11-ish. So I remember being, and then O-Town came out. Oh my God, did I ever love me some O-Town? Jeez. All or nothing? That's the jam right there, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, in eighth grade, I auditioned for the new Mickey Mouse Club. And I remember that being the first time I got real far in that audition, obviously didn't get cast, but I remember like being in that room at Disney and this was my first professional audition for something. And the same thing, you stand at, Orlando was filled with these, you stand in a parking lot and you just, everyone waits their turn, you know? Big cattle call. Yeah. Come on, you know it. So that was the first time I heard kids like, well, I need to call my agent because this (laughs) is absurd, you know, or like discussing the business and I was like oh okay agents then I got to high school and Orlando has its thing going on where we have a magnet school down there named Dr. Phillips and I went to a high school named Lake Brantley High School it's in uh, Altamont Springs Florida and we had this teacher named Mrs. Mueller and Mr. Lowe and Mrs. Mueller and Mr. Lowe changed our lives, truly. Like, Miss Mueller would always say to us, we're not doing high school theater. We're doing theater in a high school. Ooh, that's nice. A different little perspective switch. Right? If she would give us jobs. Like, I was doing publicity at 13 years old, but understanding, like, okay, we need to do a publicity campaign, you know? And, like, we were doing box office, and we were making commercials for our morning uh, news show. So she gave us this responsibility and kept a keen eye on us. And a lot of my guys, a lot of my friends are out there doing their thing, honestly, still messing around in the business, all because Mrs. Mueller and Mr. Lowe back there. And, um, and that was that, you know, and my parents, I say my parents because my parents were just, whatever you want to do, Papa, you do it. You're the, you're the best at that thing. You know, my, my mom is it's cheering in the front row. My dad was always this quiet confidence and never once in my life, Renee, I'll tell you the truth, never once did they ever make me feel or side comment or say anything to me about something else happening other than me becoming an actor. Because in eighth grade, I came up to New York. I saw this city. I live in New York City. I saw this place and I made, it made sense to me. I fit here. I knew that then. Um, my dad was born in the Bronx. So being on that trip, I think with him, it just put something in my brain. I came back in high school and I just know I belonged here. And this is definitely part of my genetic makeup now. This city, you know, I'm raising my boys here. Me and my wife, we love being parents here in the city. But that was all just my parents, you know, being like, sure, yeah. go to New York City. I'm like, yeah, New York City. That's where actors live, right? Okay, I'll go. And of course, I get here at 17, 18 years old. And I'm just like, oh, shit, you know, like, Okay, let's figure this out. Were you totally alone at that point, 17, 18, in, alone in the city? I was alone. 
But it's funny because like going to NYU, you know, going to any school in the city, but I happen to go to NYU, but just going to a place like this where I got to experience this place, I got to run around and make mistakes with a safety net and I got to go to class and I had an RA, you know, and um, so that was really nice to have from 18 to 22. So by the time that I was 22 and then maybe that, that what I heard, maybe at 22 when I did feel alone, you know, it was like, oh, but I know this place, you know, like I know this place, I get it. You know, when you see your bodega guy, you know, what's up shorty, what's up papa, you know? And he's like, what's up bro? And all of a sudden that, rejuvenates your day in a way that I've always found is part of my makeup, you know? So this thing, just kind of one thing led to another. And when I, when I got into college, that's where I really kind of understood what this business was, you know, in high school, I was just doing it for fun. And that's why I tell anybody that's a youngster that's asking me now, it's like, man, just have fun. Do whatever you're doing out there. Like if you do, just do theater, you know, like mess around, practice on your own. Um, so that way, when we have to do it for our work and our business, it's still a dream come true, you know. But, um, yeah, it all started in Orlando. Okay, so you talk about that first audition moment, standing in the parking lot. You're doing the Mickey Mouse. Was it Mickey Mouse Club? The Mickey Mouse Club, like, reboot, I think it was. I don't think it even made it to air, but that's what it was. So how different is the audition process for you now? For people that are listening to this that don't know what that process can be like, and you've, you know, you know, film, television, theater, how different do those kind of vary? I've always fascinated by the audition process because I have a love-hate relationship with it, as I think a lot of people do. It's a love-hate as relationship. As we all do, yeah, right? Yeah. It's a bit of a thrill, kind of makes you a little sick to your stomach. Some days I love it, some days I hate it. Yeah. <laughs> You think about it all day. You're sleeping on it. Yeah. How's it changed? You know, like, hmm. You know, wow, that one in eighth grade, that one, I did the Chris Farley monologue from Tommy Boy. So you're driving along, driving along, kids are in the backseat. I got to go to the bathroom, daddy. Not now, damn it. <laughs> did that as my monologue and then sang, you're going to think I'm lying to you, but it was either All or Nothing by O-Town or it was a song called Purest of Pain by Sun by Four. I can't remember now what it was, maybe both, because maybe I had to go back in and sing, but All or Nothing was my jam, you know? And, and this song, Pierce of Pain, was my jam back in the day. I could sing it in English and Spanish, too, so that was always my way of being like, all right, y'all, this is what I have to offer to the cast, you know? But no, like, when I really started auditioning up here in New York and, like, trying to make my way, I'll tell you what's changed. When I first started auditioning, in, in me, and then there's the other side, what's changed in the actual auditions, but I think this is what we're maybe talking about. It's like, that audition process, when I was first going at it, you're trying to figure out whatever it is that they're wanting you to do. This is at the beginning. And I think what I've learned is that it's not you necessarily figuring out what they want you to do. It's twofold. It's like, sure, it's definitely that. you got to read your roadmap of the script and you have to read your roadmap of the lines. Everything's in that script. But I think what they're looking for too is like for you to bring whatever your thing is to it. You know, like, and, and I say that so like obviously knowing how weird that sounds, but whatever that thing is, and like, it could be as simple as like, if you know that you have more fun when you're doing a certain style of thing, maybe try to turn 
every audition into that style of thing because then they're watching it and the writer and the director, the producer, but as early as the casting director are going, oh, interesting. I never thought about it like that. And that's what's hard is because you wish you could do that every time. But honestly, I've taken that pressure off myself because I've learned that like sometimes it's, it is the stars that line up, you know, and like at this point, there are things that I've lost that have gone to guys that aren't that I'm now friends with. And they're so much better at that part than I ever could have been. So I'm just laughing because I'm like, oh, yeah, like, duh. That makes zero sense that I would ever audition for that because you exist in the world, you know? And then it's just kind of figuring that out. I used to always think when I was like doing more like auditions and stuff like film, television and whatnot, I remember like very early on in my career, like hearing that story of like Bette Midler walking into a scene and like the gum, she lost her gum and stuck it on a chair and like made, she did her own little scene before even starting any of the lines to just get more time in the room, show more of her personality. Have you ever pulled things like that in a room? Uh, maybe not on, that's so funny. Maybe not on purpose. Yes, on purpose. What am I talking about? Of course you are. Are you kidding me? Like, that's like that thing where, once again, it's a dance. That's why to this day, I wish I could tell you that I kill every audition. But truth is, it's like, I'm just trying my best to not be awkward and to show them that, like, I love it without coming off desperate all the time. Which is a fine line sometimes of like, I want to be here. I really want to do this. But like, I'm not banging on anyone's door. I'm not going to like sweat it. But I would really love to do this job. The people that I have to like shout out, you know, are like those early casting directors that just like took me under their wing. And I would hope, I think it's because they maybe saw something. And I don't mean took me under the wing and like spent, no, I just mean every time I was in there, like they would allow me the opportunity to make mistakes because they saw past the nerves early. The me really wanting this job, you know, like me just trying my hardest and then being like, hey, let's do that again. And let's just talk a little bit. You know, they're like, how the babies, Josh? And I'm like, oh, man, well, Gus, you know, like Gus did this thing and that. Da, 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 da. And they're like, all right, let's run that again. I'm like, all right. So da, 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 da. And I'm doing the scene a whole different way because I'm out of my my own neuroses, you know. Yeah, again, it's that love-hate relationship with the auditioning process. And like, I'm always fascinated by it. And, you know, it's like. I think people that haven't experienced that of like walking into a room and everyone's looking at you and do you have your lines memorized? Do you know what you're doing? Like that confidence, that that fine line of like, I want to be here, but I'm not sweating it. I'm not begging for the job. But please hire me. Please hire me. Please hire me. How about that test scenario? Oh, you know, my like, God. I'm in New York, so a lot of them are in L.A. and you get on a plane. I'll remember my first test ever it was for a show called Iceland. It was a... a, a a show on Fox and I'm on the plane and I'm like, Oh my God, I'm going to test, you know? So I'm flying out. I don't really know what this means quite yet. I get to LA and I sit in a room and I'm sitting next to Zach Guilford who plays Matt Saracen on Friday Night Lights. Okay. So I hadn't seen Friday Night Lights yet. There's a couple other guys, but you'll see why Zach is the one that matters to me couple of the guys, gorgeous men sitting in this room. Like, oh, I guess we're all testing with these people in here, you know? Damn it. That was like me. I'm talking to Zach. 
He goes in, he does his thing. I go in, I do my thing and I leave and I call my manager at the time. And I was like, yo, I killed it. I think it went well. She's like, yeah, yeah. And I was like, I did. She's like, who else was there? And I was like, you know that kid that's on Friday Night Lights? And such and such. And she's like, Matt, Matt Harrison? Yeah, Matt. And like, Friday Lights was at his height, okay? He's like, Matt, Matt Harrison was? Zach Gopher was? You know, Josh, you did your best, you know? And like, <laughs> that's what matters, you know? And I remember getting the call literally three hours later, like, Zach Guilford obviously got this part, you know? And I was just like, oh, oh, got it. I got it, you know? But that, you know, that test thing, you're sitting in a room in, a, in the back over there, there's 10, 10 folks watching. Oh, my. You feel so close, I'm sure, too. And you're like, you get flown out. Everything feels so nice and fancy. You feel like you've already kind of made it a little bit. And then you're like, no, didn't happen. Didn't get the part. Yeah. Hey, it's all part of the journey, it's part right? Of the journey. It's, it's all part, part of, the, of journey. the journey. Good memories. Okay, let's talk about Stephen Amell for a minute because obviously you've been able to work with him on Arrow. Um, have you talked to him much about heels and what he's doing there with you being such a massive wrestling fan? Is this something that like, like what's what's the relationship at right now? I talk to Steve all the time. I'm going to claim the second that he closed that deal for heels. He told me, okay? <laughs> because he knows, you know, when I met Steve, I honestly can't tell you if I gave him a couple hours or maybe like a day. I don't know. We have to ask him on this. But I didn't I didn't mess with him too much. I didn't bother him. But I was preparing what I was going to say. I was there at SummerSlam and I saw him against Cody just as a fan. I bought myself one ticket and I sat second row. I was there for that card. I obviously loved him in Ninja Turtles. So I was ready to go in and start my friendship with my guy, okay? <laughs> yeah. And uh, we were at a con one day, and he says to me, buddy, I have a question for you. He's like, do you want to come out to the ring with me and corner me at all? In? And I was like, uh, <laughs> um, yeah. So he gave me one of the best nights of my life. I love that, dude. Have we spoken about heels? Absolutely. Am I going to be on it? Absolutely. I'm pretty sure that's, that's, I'm first telling you this. I don't know if this is out there. Yay! We got an exclusive. Yeah, I think that's how that goes, you know? Um, Hell yeah, congratulations. I mean, what a perfect fit. How could you not, right? That's exactly it. You know, I won't say who I'm playing, so that would keep somewhat of a mystery. But no, the second he started... That's my guy. I'm in his ear. You know, we send each other stuff. I make sure I send him whatever I'm seeing on, on the screen and he sends me whatever he's seeing on the screen. I say, yo, you catch this. Yo, you catch that. And I've just been so proud of him. You know, like, look at what that is. You know, him and Michael Malley and and it's like Xander and like that whole crew. It's like being there with them was so fun. Kelly's up there busting ass, you know, like she's in that ring and she's killing it. And it was just like, yo, like, it just made me happy. I'm, I'm, I, I was watching it as a fan the whole first season. As I hope you hear in me, like, it's something I hold sacred, this craft that we love, this professional wrestling, the sports entertainment thing. So it was just really cool to be on it. And I just told him, I was like, yo, I'll clean the floors. I know. I was like, dude, you need an announcer? You need a broadcaster on the show? Because 
I'll be there. That's what I'm saying. I know. Let's. I'll come out to Atlanta. Let's go. That's what I'm saying. Let's go season three, Renee. Let's go. Um, and you know what's funny is that uh, it all kind of happened like not even through Steve. It happened through Mike, Mike O'Malley. And then he he talks to Steve. He's like, "Yo, you know this kid, Josh?" And Steve was like, "Do I know?" Stop. Beep boop beep boop. Yo, everyone, let's talk. You know, and that was that was the end of the conversation. Uh, that's so great. Steven's so cool. He is one of those people very early on in my career that he was great and kind of took me under his wing. I think he had just started maybe doing uh, New Girl. Maybe Arrow was like kind of getting up and running, but we had like mutual friends. But yeah, we were like, you know, met in Toronto, good old Canadian pals. But yeah, he always like just helped guide me if I had any questions about things. Like, God, I remember like Zoom calling him being like, I need an agent. I don't know who to talk to. And he's like, was just the best at helping me kind of like get my footing and figure out exactly what the hell I was doing. I was there for two weeks. I was there with my wife. Uh, Brace was seven months pregnant with our first boy with Gus. Uh, I, we had put everything in storage in New York and I went out there two weeks in, you know, whatever it was, I'd say in two weeks, whatever it was, quick, he grabs me by the shoulders like, buddy, I'm going to be out of town for the holidays. You and your wife. Your family's coming in town, right? You got your mom, dad, sister, brother. I was like, yeah. He's like, you guys, you're staying at my house. And he's like, my car's in the garage. Here's the code. He's like, you're not saying no. You're staying at my house. I'll see you when I get back, okay? And I was like, okay. And just my family was sitting in their house, him and Cass. You know, I love Cass. It's like, we're sitting in their house just like, what a nice what a nice gesture that was. Thanks for doing that for me. I'm in Vancouver. I would have had to look for a bigger place at Airbnb. I would have had to do these. Thank you, man. I appreciate you, bro. Thank you. So what was your day like when you did get to walk him out to the ring at All In? I mean, for you to get that behind-the-scenes experience and really get to soak in AEW. (laughs) Come on! All right, Renee. I probably said a total of 20 words that whole night. That was the first time I've ever been allowed to be backstage at a wrestling show. (laughs) And CD, Chris Daniels, the man, the legend, he was having his match with Steve. Obviously, he's the the kindest dude in the world. So I was standing backstage, just watching. Cody was cool as hell. Cody and I had worked briefly already on Arrow, but obviously he was having a big night. Everybody was working hard, you know? Oh, my God. I'll forever remember watching, I think, Pentagon and Ray, but it was like six luchadors in the back, and they were just walking through everything. Not walking through, just kind of talking to each other. Dude, I was just locked in. And they looked at me, and I looked at them, and I just gave them the nod of, like, respect, gentlemen. (laughs) You know, like, respect. I'm a lock and key. I'm a vault. You know, like, respect, gentlemen. And that's what my night was, you know? Watching all the fellas get ready, you know, just watching everybody just be so hyped. So Cody walks us to the curtain, and he's like, all right, fellas, you know, that's that's your stage. You know, that's your platform. Me and Steve are kind of looking out, looking out. Cool. But that was just from the back curtain. So, music hits. Me and Steve are hyped, you know. I'm hitting him in the chest. He's hitting me in the chest. And we go out. And those lights hit. And the crowd, whatever happened, it went silent. Point being, I realized that I hadn't walked to the ring yet. So I didn't know what the pathway felt like. And there are stairs there, Renee. So... I'm looking at the lights. I'm looking at the fans. I'm hopping up and down. I'm, whoa, whoa, 
whoo, and then stairs. And I just remember being like, oh, there's stairs. And I feel like it was like angels in the outfield. Like somebody helped me down the stairs because I was busting ass unless that angel helped me down. We get to the ring. SCU was obviously across the ring from us. We're over here. We're talking. We're talking nonsense. The boys square up. So I see the fellas walk out. So I follow. But Renee, I'm a fan of them. So what do I do? I'm just like walking behind them. Just kind of like talking to fans. Just like, and they're talking shit. And I'm right behind the guys. We get back to the curtain and Colt Cabana's standing at the curtain. And he's like, what the fuck are you guys doing? And I'm like, what are you talking about, bro? He's like, aren't you a fuck? You guys are, why did you walk back together? And I was like, oh, my bad, fellas. I just saw you guys. Oh, my bad. You're right. I should have stayed in character the whole, you're right. My bad, fellas. That was that night, dude. Oh, that is so funny. But really, I mean, I get it because it's so like I like and I remember when like the first times I had to go in the ring to do an interview. And as much as you're like, okay, I just get in the ring and you grab a mic and you do the thing, but it's not that. You get in there, you've got to like make sure your outfit's okay to squeeze in between the ropes. And first of all, I don't need to flash anybody. It's getting in there, realizing what the ring really feels like. Finding your hard cam, then doing your bit and hearing your voice booming over the like the sound system. Oh my God, it is a trippy experience. And if you've not done that, that shit can throw you for a loop where you're like, oh, I thought I knew how to do what I'm doing and I don't know what the hell is going on. I was cocky about it. I was like, <laughs> I know this. Yeah. I've been doing this my whole life. Yeah. <laughs> Toast. Toast. Oh my God, that's so funny. It really is magical though. Like I'm glad you got to have that experience of going backstage and soaking all that in. Like I remember the first time the WWE brought me on the road and that was my first time seeing like the belly of the beast of how this show works where it's like the shows are changing and scripts are changing and this is happening and this needs to be taped and this person's warming up and blah, blah, blah. It's just like seeing all of these pieces come together. Like when you are a fan of professional wrestling, but then you do get that peek behind the curtain You can't help but become a bigger fan and have more respect and admiration for all these athletes, for the crew, for production, all that stuff. Because like you see the chaos that happens behind that curtain before you get to walk out to the crowd. And it's like, it's amazing. It's a miracle every time that like you go live on television, like, here we go. It's nuts. So true. So true. Um, okay, so you obviously love you some Canadians. You love some Stephen Amell, got to spend time in Vancouver, and now doing She-Hulk with Tatiana Maslany because she is an angel. How talented is this chick? When you see her working in real life, like I was a fan of hers from Orphan Black. And again, being a, a Toronto girl, one of my ex-boyfriends was like friends with her. So I felt like through proxy, I was like friends with her, which we've never even met. Um, but I'm just fascinated by her. Like, I just think she's so immensely talented. So you get to see that firsthand. Talk to me about it. You know, what's crazy about her is that I see how hard she's working, but she'll never wear it. She never wore that. And she is the franchise, you know? 
So you always hear about that, you know, when you're the franchise player, when you when you are She-Hulk, I'm watching her and I'm just seeing her carry herself with grace, kindness every day to everybody, room to play, gave to others, gave to me, you know, would take time out of her day to make sure that we were all good, you know, and those things are what make her so special because then you see what she does on screen. And every take is a new, honest take. And you go, oh, this is fun. Thanks for being so grounded in this, you know, knowing the many colors we can bring to this. So I can only imagine what it must have been like working with her on Orphan Black for that cast. Because seeing her, you know, obviously do what she does there. And we saw parts of that in our show, too. You know, obviously she played 4800. But even this, like, you know, you're creating a character that's in CGI. She carried herself differently when she was... She-Hulk versus when she's Jen. Those are the things I love watching. That's, to me, like that nerdy game tape stuff. Where I'm like, okay, I know you thought about that, and I appreciate that. Who knows if it'll ever transfer? These are all the things that we do. Who knows if they'll ever transfer on screen? Who knows if they'll ever make sense? But it's part of the fun stuff of making a character and seeing how you can... I always like to think of... I heard this from um, Chadwick Boseman on a podcast he did. Love that, dude. I wish I'd got to met him and work with him. That would have been incredible. But he said on a podcast, he said that he likes to think of every character. of It's him raised in that character's situation. And that stuck with me. It's like, oh, okay. So there's something so honest about Tatiana. There's something so real about her that it's so fun to see her play all these different things. To see her dancing with Meg the Stallion, you know? Oh, my God. That like, day was fun. Crazy. Crazy. Yeah, you guys have such a great cast for that. And the reception for She-Hulk has been amazing. How does that feel for you guys to be working on something? Like, what is that process like of working on something, uh, you know, behind closed doors? You guys are on a set doing your thing, waiting. You're probably in your own little insular world feeling like what you think the show is going to be like. And now people are finally seeing it. And the reception's been amazing. Okay, so I'll tell you, this one's different than any other job I've ever had, and I'll tell you why. With most other jobs, some obviously don't fit in this category, but with most other things, you do them in secret, and then you forget about them, and the world forgets about it in a way, and all of a sudden you hear from, you're like, oh, it's going to drop March 1st. Okay, great, and the show comes out. This is the first thing I've ever done that when we were working on it, you started to hear chatter. Then we finished it and you heard chatter about what it was going to be because we had finished it. So everyone thought they knew what it was going to be. And we were all talking to each other being like, wait, but we have reshoots in a month. (laughs) And we just got new scripts. So that's so funny that everyone thinks they already know what the show is going to be. And then we went and did it. And then you hear more chatter about the show. And then the show comes out. It's really cool to be on something that you turn on the Disney Plus and it's the first banner. It's cool, you know? Like, um, So now that it's out and it's getting uh, a sweet reception, it makes me really happy, you know? Like the little things inside of it. Like when my guy Gus, you know, he's my five-year-old. My guy Hank is too. Um, Chatters a bunch, but my guy Gus, you know, the Shield commercial will come on and be like, Dada, your friend. Oh. That's pretty dope, you know? Oh, my God. How sweet our daughter. She's 15 months. And every now and then, if I show her John on TV, she'll point at him and like, she's starting to recognize that it's him now. It makes me so excited for her, for her to not, she just knows Dada, but I'm excited 
to like bring her out there and her like really see John do his thing. Like, oh my God, that's your dad. Dude, that's so cool. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. so magical. It's really cool. Um, you mentioned him earlier. Mark Ruffalo. What is that dream boat like? Dude, a dream He's got to be just as dreamy as, as can be, right? And like then just once it, again, the kindest and like, you know, I of course was counting the days till he came to work. And he's a New York theater guy. And so I've known that name for a really long time, especially, you know, as a, when you're starting out, they're telling you, find actors that are doing the things you would like to do. And he's one of them. And so, of course, you know, I get to work and, you know, he kind of sweetly walks in, you know, and just like, what's up, man? Welcome to the world, man. Welcome to the team. You know, you guys having fun? I'm just like, yeah, I'm having the best time of my am, life, man. Yeah. You know, I love you, bro. You know, so I think once again, I gave Mark a day and then he was sitting off to the side and I was like, all right, man, I got kids too. I'm a New York guy. I'm a theater guy. You're the best, man. You know, just, um, you know, and, uh, and that's that. Just once again, a really cool dude, you know, the freaking Hulk, the freaking Hulk. Freaking Hulk. That's the freaking Hulk. Hulk. Oh my you know? gosh, he's just—he's so great. I love. He's one—he's one of those actors that like you go to watch what he's doing, anything he's in. If Mark Ruffalo's name is on that, I'm going to check it out. It's got that good integrity. Big fan. And still like talking about the scene, you know, like all right. So what do you think? What do you think we're coming from right before this? All right, man. All right, let's try something. All right, let's do. You know, you're like, oh, it's freaking awesome, man. You know, like. You still love this thing. You still care deeply about this thing. And you roll out a red carpet for Tatiana and us to come join you. And the coolest reception ever. A legend, that guy. Thanks so much for hanging out with us, guys. Uh, Hopefully you enjoyed the week. Enjoyed the best of the sessions. You guys can hear the full-length interviews um, anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Just uh, download them, give them a listen, give them a like, a review. And if you want to see what you're hearing, head on over to my YouTube page. Just search Renee Paquette. It's all up there, and you can see us talking Having this interview, having a hangout, it's all up on there. Um, And that's been like a really great, cool, growing community. So uh, I'm really enjoying the hangouts on the YouTube as well. So we can see you guys over there. And jump in the comment section, you know. Jump in, chime in, leave a comment. Uh, We like filtering through them all, reading about them. Maybe even like, I don't know, some constructive criticism if you had it. We're all ears. God, did I open up a can of worms by saying that? I don't know. Be nice. Be cool in there. This has been The Sessions.